You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Their whole motto, their hashtag is as one. I mean, how fantastic is that? Perhaps it's, it's about togetherness. It's about unity, about fraternity. It's about being in it together, holding the line, striving for the same goal, acting as a unit, uh, as a kind of synergy. And this is what I love about rugby, that you don't get so much in football, because in football, even though it's a team sport, you get so many pre-Madonnas, don't you? Or actual Madonnas, Maradonnas. Uh, but, but in rugby, it's much more. Sometimes somebody breaks through the line and has a great run to the, to the try line. But most of the time, it's about the pack, it's about the mall, it's about the shoulder to shoulder, pressing and holding that line. So you can probably see where I'm going this morning with this message. You know, you might get the same thing from this film. Who's seen this? Gladiator. Not the same as Gladiators from, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. Gladiators, ready, kind of thing. But this one, you might remember this scene where they were reenacting the Battle of Carthage. Uh, And it was supposed to be that those guys were just slaughtered, like, terribly. But because of Maximus Aurelius, uh, Russell Crowe, obviously it was Russell Crowe, they they managed to hold the line. And he was there in the middle of the throng shouting, as one! as one. And it was because they stood as one that they were victorious. Currently, you look at what's going on around the world, and we know about NATO, and we've all heard in the last few weeks this phrase, an attack on one nation is an attack on every nation. An attack on one member state of NATO is an attack on every member state of NATO as one. Together, there is strength in the number, isn't there? Ecclesiastes says, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Togetherness achieves more than individualism. Let that land. Togetherness puts the unit's needs above its own. Togetherness exponentially increases strength for offense and defense. Togetherness is a sign to the opponents. You know, sometimes in football, the commentator will say, or they're asking questions of the defense here, and what they mean is that they're just testing out, they're they're trying to get the ball in different places, They're, they're just seeing what the opposition's made of, and togetherness is a sign you're not getting in here. We're a solid line. And togetherness is working, contending, striving together for a singular mission, purpose, or goal. Togetherness, a cord of three strands, is not quickly broken. Togetherness is about unity. So let's get into our text for today. We're in Philippians. Uh, It's going to come up here. I'm going to read that to you in just a second. Um, Remember, we've been here forever. Um, actually, this is message 16, and I think I started it. When did we go to Paul and Anne's caravan? I think it was way back in like August or something. So I started it not long after August last year, 16 messages in, and we, we're just about next week to wrap up chapter one. All right? So by that rationale, I think there's four, three more chapters to go, so I think I'm going to be here for another year and a half. I hope that's okay with you guys. 
Listen to what Paul says here. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. And this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved. Remember that word, saved. We've come across that a couple of weeks ago. Soteria, it means rescue. It means salvation. You will be saved, and that by God. Now, that's our text for today. But let me just go on a little bit, because it's good to get the context. He goes on to say, For it has been granted to you, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. That's a bit we don't like so much. Since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. What's that struggle? He's in prison. He's being persecuted for standing up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's saying to them, you're going through this. You will be going through this. It's the same struggle that I've been through and I'm still going through. So while we're going to look at those uh, last verses in more depth next week, I want to start here today. But because there's more than a sense here. Think of that word suffering. There's more than a sense in this text of striving together. That's effort, that's struggle, that's endurance. And if any of you are joggers, you know that that means suffering, right? Unless you're freakishly fit, like I think Sammy and Rona are just crazily fit. They they can just run, they could run to Edinburgh and back and they'd be quite happy. I could run to Riverview Hub and I'd collapse in a heap before I got through the door. Endurance. And he's talking like the team that is knocked about and bruised, fighting hard to win the victory together. That's the sense that we've got here. But, but listen to this, because that's hard. And sometimes, if you watch rugby, sometimes you watch the telly and go, oh, that was painful. You know, and you see these guys, and there's half their ears hanging off or something like that. And they're just like, oh, like at the end of the match. They look a state, but they're jubilant if they have the victory. They don't care where the blood's coming from on their face or whatever. Not like football, fall over, oh, roll over 20 times. You know, oh, that's my kind of sport, to be honest. You know, that's great. You know, when victory is won, the celebration is sweet, even if the cuts are deep. The key to survival, the key to endurance, the key to going the distance is to do it together. Partnership, purpose. One heart, one vision, one goal. Let me just say quickly, I have not planned out ahead of time any of these messages. I've decided from all, back in August just to linger where the text is and get as much covered as I can in that day. And if, if I don't finish it all, I'll bring that back next week. I had no concept that a couple of weeks ago when there was just a lot of grief in the church from losing friends and loved ones, I had no concept that the message that I'd get to is Paul saying to live as Christ, to die as gain. And today I had no concept when I set out that I was going to be talking about partnership on the same day that there's a partnership meeting. And I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in a God who orchestrates even when we don't. You know, we, we might plan our course, but he directs our steps. 
So a chord of three strands is not quickly broken. The first chord is the church as one. Unity is a major theme in New Testament writing. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, almost anywhere you look, from the Gospels to Revelation, you see it in Peter's letters, you see it in John's letters, you see it in Paul's letters. Jesus says, you will be known, disciples, by your love for one another. It's unity. He, he says that, that he prays to Father God, he says that they may be one as you and I are one. So the same oneness that Jesus, the Son, has with Father God, he's praying that we have that same oneness together and with Father God as well. And in Acts, at Pentecost, it says they were all together in one place. It says later on in chapter 2 that they had all things in common. It says later on that they were all one in heart and mind. And when Peter is miraculously released from prison, guess where the rest of the church are? They're together. They are praying in one place. There's a oneness. There's a togetherness. Now contrast that with, if you know your Bibles, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. I'm not going to dive into that today. But what was the big issue with Ananias and Sapphira? They were pulling away from the line. They were running ahead trying to do their own thing. They were not as one. They were not shoulder to shoulder. They did not have their shields locked together with everyone else. They were out for themselves and not out for the body or the captain. They were working against the team. You know, unity matters for the whole team, or as we understand it, the church, or the body, as the Bible describes it, the body of Christ, the bride, the bride, the building, the temple, that's you, the church. Not these bricks and stones, but you are the church, one. And in this letter, it's not as explicit throughout But unity is one of the foremost themes. I'm going to run through this real quick because this is a recap. 16 messages. And and at the very beginning, we looked at how Paul was addressing to all God's holy people, all, so one, uh, together with the overseers and deacons. No difference between leaders and church members. He he says that in all of my prayers for all of you, one, and then he says it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, one. He's spoken of gospel partnership, um, like, like that kind of team or an army. He's, he's spoken of how even those who are like envious rivals, but they're still working towards the same mission and goal, are still part of that oneness. And the very reason that he expects to live and be freed now is so that he can continue in motivating and working with this team, kind of like a rugby captain trying to please his manager and keep the team together so you can win the prize. And now in today's text, we see what as one looks like. Stand firm together, he says. Each playing a part in word and deed, adding your voice to the gospel witness. How many of you have been in the stadium for a sports event? Right? If you've ever been in a stadium where there's no sports event, what happens to your voice? It just gets lost. But, but if you're there with thousands of other people all singing the same thing, referee's an idiot, or whatever it is, <laughs> change that. <laughs> you know, uh, you know if, you're, if you're singing something like that together with 10,000 other people, you know, when we've been there 10,000 years bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise. 
than when we first begun. And think of a thousand years, but think of a million voices, billions of voices. Adding muscle to kingdom movement. You know, in, in rugby, there's the pack, there's the mall, and they're trying to drive forward, shoulder to shoulder, heads down, together. Uh, and if one of them kind of messes with that, it brings the whole lot down. And it's that kind of oneness as a church that we are contending for because we're able to pull more and we're able to achieve more for the glory of God together. And remember in Ephesians 6, the last series that we did where we talked about Paul saying, stand firm. And Margaret, a brilliant message on what the shield is all about and how we lock those shields together because one guy running around a field with a shield is probably not very well protected. But if you put 20 other guys around him in battle formation, that guy's a whole lot more secure. And a break in the line renders the whole unit vulnerable. A cord of three strands, though, is not quickly broken. So strand one is the church. I'll come back to that in a second, but strand two is this. Strand two is God. Who, when you consider this, God himself is a cord of three strands, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Godhead is unbreakable. So that even, even when Jesus, the Son, dies on the cross and is in the grave for three days, all is not lost because the Spirit of God raises him from the grave in power because a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so Paul says in the text, one in, sorry, in one spirit, striving together, standing firm, in one spirit for the one faith. Now, this is unity of the faith. Listen carefully, this is not unity of faiths. It's not. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that, that you know, the queen is the defender of the faith. I've heard that Prince Charles, when he takes over, he wants to change that. I might be wrong. I don't want to slander the guy, but I've heard that he wants to change that to being defender of faiths, which in a human sense is really noble, right? We want to defend each other, look after each other. That's right. That's fitting. You know, you should defend Muslim people if they're being ruthlessly oppressed and victimized. Yes, you should. But, but that's not at the expense of the gospel. Never at the expense of the gospel. But there is... Not many faiths that lead to God, but one faith, one Lord, one baptism. It sounds very much like Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. This is what Paul says there. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. One. This is clearly not pick and mix. This is, this is clearly not that choose-your-own-adventure style thing. You decide how this goes. This is not, oh, I believe in my own kind of way. You know, I love Jesus and I believe in him in my own kind of way. You know, you can't even really say, I believe Jesus, but the church, pfft. you can't. How, how could you reject Jesus' bride? What's he going to be feeling about that, you know? You can't separate Jesus from the church because just as the Father and the Son are one, so too are the Son and the church. One. It's not like Burger King. You want it your way? You got it. 
We're not customers who are always right, but we are sheep who go astray. We need a good shepherd to go after a missing sheep. I'd be a rubbish shepherd if I had, I'm talking about literal sheep, I'm not, you know, a metaphor for the church here. If I was looking after some sheep and one went away, stuff you, mate. (laughs) Maybe I'll try and find you later on and get some lamb, you know, lunch, but... (laughs) Like, I'd be a rubbish shepherd. We, We need a good shepherd. We need one that's going to leave the 99 safe behind and and go after the one that's wandered off. And and the gospel of Christ is that he came as the good shepherd. This gospel that Paul's talking about here, Jesus came as the good shepherd to seek and save the lost. God's coming for you. God is coming for you. you, If you wander off, He's coming to find you. If you've got lost and entangled in the thicket, he's coming to get you out. If you're not sure and you just turn towards him, he'll meet you. He'll come for you. But how you're received and how you receive him depends upon how your heart is towards him. Are you seeking him? Are you wanting him? Because if, when he comes for you, you're in a place of rejection of him, you don't want to be there. He's coming to rescue, to heal, to restore, to forgive, to give life, to give meaning, to give purpose. Stop running, if that's you. You're running towards a cliff. A friend of mine, Andy Campbell, uh, was walking out in the Ogmore Vale or Ogwa Vale in, in, in Wales and, and there was a sheep in the field and he was walking across the field and I don't know, but one sheep took a particular disliking to him, looked at him and pegged it in the other direction straight over a cliff. Sheep are a bit silly, aren't they? I mean, you know, you, if you are running away from God, you're running towards that cliff. But God wants to heal and not harm. He wants to bring you in and not reject you. Will you accept him and not reject him? There is no other name. There's no other route. There's no other legitimately true faith. There is one absolute truth when it comes to God and who he is. One absolute truth. Everything else is either a complete fiction of the enemy or what he does most often is he puts a little teeny bit of truth in it. So that, so that it sounds attractive, but you don't have to do this whole kind of like, you're my Lord kind of thing. You can have it your way, like BK. That's what the enemy does. But the Bible clearly says there is one name by which we are to be saved. And to that end, for this faith, we strive together. contending as a unit, struggling through hardship and suffering and grief and pain and persecution. And do you check this? Without being frightened, Paul says. Without being frightened. Are you anxious about what people may think or say? Are you anxious about how they might treat you if you're a believer, particularly as the world will label us as the bigoted ones? Because we're saying there's only one way. There's only one way. Are you anxious about that? Well, there's strength in numbers. There's encouragement, and there's compassion, and there's help, 
and there's a listening ear. And it's so much better when you see yourself as part of the church and not just that you carry this responsibility all on your own. You know, when we're on our own, that's when we get frightened. But when we're part of a unit... How many of you have seen Band of Brothers? A couple of you. There's this scene, and it's, it's a true uh, kind of depiction of this unit in the Second World War. And there's one point where Major Winters is, is charging towards the enemy lines. And what he doesn't realize is that he's on his own, that the rest of the battalion are some way behind him because he just got a bit eager. And he said to them, follow me when I throw this smoke down. And they weren't sure, so they weren't there straight away. And he gets to the top of this dike, and he, he's looking down upon the enemy lines, and he is alone. And then as you think this guy's toast, suddenly all the rest of his battalion flank next to him. That's being part of the church. Who's coming up behind you to support you? Who's beside you? Who stands with you? The spirit and the bride. The spirit and the bride. When we talk about family here, we're not being cutesy. We're not being fickle or, or twee or trite. We're talking about something that's not a frail unit. We're talking about something that is robust. We don't talk about be part of a family because we're trying to be invitational or, or relevant or attractional in any way. We talk about family because a family unit strives together. This is grit. This is determination. This is faithfulness to one another and to the king. But this kind of togetherness is something that can be elusive, yeah? Even fragile. I, I think some of you possibly are thinking, well, that sounds great in theory that we're all together, but I've been hurt. I've been hurt by what the church has done to me, by what people in the church have done to me. And we see it in this text as we get through Philippians. We'll see Euodia and Syntyche. We'll see that Paul's imploring them to have one mind, to, to reconcile their differences, to be part of the same thing, because unity needs to be strived for and maintained. It needs to be contended for and protected. In Ephesians 4, and I'm not going to dive into this now, but when Paul's talking about unity, he talks about the unity of the Spirit as a done thing. Like, we already have that. If you are in Christ, you have unity of the Holy Spirit. But then he talks about contending for unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So there's a unity that we have, and there's a unity that we strive for. Two things. And because this is often fickle, often difficult, often painful. Some effort or action is required, and this comes to our individual conduct. I'm going to hover here for a few minutes. A cord of three strands isn't easily broken. Strand one, the church. Strand two, God. Strand three, you, me. That's where we fit into this story. And Paul says, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The way that you live matters. I, I, I don't mean that as a heavy burden. I'll explain that in a sec. But the way that you live matters to us all. 
It matters to this church. It matters to the church in Bowness. It matters to the church in the world. You, you know when a player gets sent off the pitch. If you're a fan of the team that that player gets sent off, you're like, oh. But, but if you're part of the opposition, you're like, yes, we've got a chance. Don't get sent off the pitch. Don't get to a place where you're going to be disqualified. You know, we've heard things about big churches recently that are tragic. Firstly, don't write off everything. Cancel culture is a pattern of the world. It's not a pattern of the church. Okay? We don't write off everything. But, but when somebody is elevated to a platform, they're going to fall off it at some point. That's why I have no problem with the fact that Margaret preaches, Ian preaches, Andrew preaches, you know, Graham preaches, Jess preaches sometimes. You know, there's a multitude. Rosie preached last week. I have no issue with that. I've got no issue with stepping to the side, getting out of the way. The leadership team, it's not like me and these guys that kind of do my bidding, like I'm a puppet master or anything like that. And it can't be. And the reason partnership meeting is important is because transparency needs somebody looking at it. Just saying we're transparent, it doesn't mean anything. So come if you've got the time and scrutinize. Ask why we pay Andrew so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's because we're all scared of him, obviously. It's important that you, believer, live in a manner worthy of the gospel to which you adhere and to the gift of grace which you have been given. I could say a lot more about that. I'm not for time. Jess is going to put in the Go Deeper notes, and she's just, her ears are pricking up, because she's like, what? Um, Because there was a pastor called Phil who talked about this very thing last week and what worthy means. It's really interesting. So we're going to chuck that in the Go Deeper notes. Um, And so you'll watch out for your emails tomorrow. But listen, we we can't simply shrug off bad behavior, mistakes, and sin, and go, oh, well, it's just me. (laughs) Uh, You know, I've always been that way. I can't help it. But neither can we carry the guilt and the shame like a chain around our necks because that too is an unworthy manner. You know, sinfulness that we're habitually staying in and we're like, I don't care. You know, that's damaging. But also, I'm so rubbish, I'm so guilty, oh, God must hate me, the church, I, I don't fit anywhere. Like, that is as destructively damaging as the other. Paul says, rejoice always. Rejoice always in grace and in truth, in all that God has given and forgiven you. I'm really sorry. The problem without masks is I think I just gave you a little bit of my breakfast. I'm so sorry. Man, I just like, we've got to readjust now. Everyone next week will be back like. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's an instruction, not a suggestion. We are citizens of heaven and ambassadors for the king. There is an expectation on you. And we're going to get more into that in chapter 2, into the particulars. But listen, you're going to not like this, first of all, I think. Christianity is a works-based faith. Uh, hang on, you're like, grace, grace! <laughs> like, how could it be a works based? Surely the whole thing, not by works, but by grace. Yeah. Christianity is a works based faith, but the work is his and the work is done. 
But there's still a responsibility on you. You need to activate that in your life. You know, uh, about a year ago, two years now, because obviously it's before COVID, I went to a minister's lunch down in the Corby Inn, and it was brilliant. I fed myself up like a champion, and I thought, I'm going to cycle home, all right? And I, you know that the, the fishtail little junction down at the bottom of the hill? I, I was going up there, literally, I didn't even get halfway up that bit, and I was like, I feel sick. And I had to get off, and I pushed my bike the whole way home. But then last year, Jess's parents gave her an electric bike. Game changer. <laughs> So the next time I was coming up from that minister's lunch and I was just like, hey. But you know what the thing is, right? I still had to pedal. Because it's the pedaling activates the power. And, and so as we step out in faith, as we say, I want to adhere to everything that you want me to be, I'm going to step it. I don't have the tools for that, but I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to watch you bring the power into that. That's how God works. So it is a workspace faith, but what you have to do compared to what Jesus has done, no competition. And trying to do it without the power of the Spirit, you're going to be cycling up a hill, chucking your guts up everywhere. <laughs> you can't do it without him. Listen, my final point. Very quick one. I've put a note for myself, be quick here, so <laughs> be very quick. Paul says uh, that this, is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved and that by God. You know, unity and fearlessness are a sign to those in opposition. You won't get in here. You're not going to frighten us. You're not going to divide us. Did you ever see that hacker that the New Zealand All Blacks do and they're like, like this? And, and, and normally the teams just kind of stand there like this, which is great because they're standing in line. Did you ever see, and I'm not big enough England, I'm a Welsh rugby fan, okay? But, but when it comes to, to the, the Rugby World Cup, did you see what England did? They, they actually formed a V around all the guys, and everyone was like, that's so offensive, how dare they do that? I think it was brilliant. It was the team saying, we're not frightened. This doesn't phase us. We're together in this. We're going to stare you down. And you know what the Bible says, that the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. We can form that V and we can take the offensive against the enemy's gates. It's a sign that his days are numbered, but you've got eternity with Christ. A sign means something different depending on who you are or whose you are. Because this sign that Paul's talking about is about the day of Christ. When Jesus returns, yes, we believe that is going to be a physical, actual thing that happens. And on that day, final judgment. Like where the, the thoughts and the actions and the deeds of man are weighed. And you know, that weighing, actually that is what that, that word, uh, um, what's it, worthy, means. It means being weighed. Now, have you got enough weight to say, I'm secure. Remember cycling your own power versus cycling with the power behind the electric bike. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, then you will be weighed properly and that will be a good day. But if you do not have Christ, your actions, however good they are, have not been enough to add enough weight. So to us, it's a sign of victory through Christ. To them, a sign of destruction 
impending. Does that sound harsh? I think that sounds like mercy. It sounds like mercy. Harsh would be, you've got no idea this is going to hit you. That's it. Well, but I didn't know, God. I didn't know. But mercy is, get yourself right. We're not talking about action apart from, Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. That's mercy. To reveal what's ahead that could be devastating is mercy. And the other day, and I'm literally on my little last bit, I've got two minutes left on my clock, and I'm allowed five minutes grace as well. (laughs) I just make the rules up as I go along because I can. The other day, Jess and I went to uh, Creef Hydro uh, for, for a day. We've been planning it for like a year, um, but it was, it was last week that we managed to go just for one night on the way back. We're driving back from Creef uh, towards Bowness, uh, and there's like this country sort of single track lane that we were down. It was beautiful. Um, we came up to this point where suddenly there was this corner, and I was like, okay, you know, when you kind of break and you turn and uh, turning into the corner, I think, I'm still breaking. I'm, you don't like breaking when you're going around the corner, do you? You like to do your breaking before you hit the corner. But I, I'm breaking around the corner because I'm like, I've got to get a grip on this. And as we're going around and the car's slightly like this, you know, all four wheels still on, it's okay. But it's like, it's like, it's like, like this. And Jess is like, there's a car down there. And, and there was a car that had literally shot over the edge. There were no signs to say no chevrons, nothing to point out that this corner, and it was a 60 mile an hour road. You know, a sign would have meant that I would have been coming up to that going, right, slow down a bit, I don't know what's ahead. Or I do know what's ahead and I know I need to adjust my course. No sign is dangerous. There is a sign for you today. There is a very clear sign. There is a God who loves you, who welcomes you. He is ready with open arms. But if you reject this God, you are rejecting that signpost and you are heading towards that corner full speed. It's so important that we heed the signs. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Unity means... It's not just about you, but it's about the body and it's about the spirit. I say it's not just about you because we've, we've gone on a lot about saying, oh, it's not about me, it's not about me, hide me. No, God wants cooperation with you. You know, when we pre- preachers pray sometimes, we say, Lord, hide my voice, hide my words, hide me, so that you may be heard. I don't think that's right, because God's using this, right? You're hearing me. You're not like, oh, God's in the room, and he's standing at the front. Like, you'd, you'd be very disappointed with what you saw. But by the Spirit of God, in cooperation with what I'm doing, you are able to, in your heart, hear what God is saying to you right here and right now. So it's not just about you. There's bits of it that are. But it's not just about you, but it's about the body and it's about God. Striving together, the effort, the cost, the blood, the sweat, the tears, suffering together as one. And next week, we're going to look at the suffering servant. And it's fitting. On Friday, we're going to be looking at why we call it Good Friday. It's quite a somber day because it's the day that we remember Jesus' death. But on Sunday, on Sunday, celebration because he is alive and he is risen. 
and there is healing in his wings. Can you stand together, church? Ian, guys, do you want to come up? I'm just going to read this very end bit of uh, Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands isn't easily broken. If you feel like you're about to fall, there is one who longs to draw alongside closer than a brother to lock arms with you to encourage and to lift you up and to support you. So Heavenly Father, we just pray.